0: Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you are about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. Nehemiah 6, verse 1 through 2, and then 9. Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall, and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not yet set up the doors and the gates... Sinballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, "Come and let us meet together at Hakfrim in the plain of Ono." But they intended to do me no harm, for they all wanted to frighten us, thinking this is verse nine, verse nine. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh my God, or O oh God, strengthen my hands. Say, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Look at your neighbor and say, God will strengthen your hands. Amen? My central idea today is this. God will give you supernatural strength to start and finish what he called you to do. If you're taking notes today, I encourage you to write those things down. It's good to go back and look what God is speaking But God will give you supernatural strength to start and finish what he called you to do. How many of you know that's true? See, we've been reading the book of Nehemiah, and we know that this is a diary or a private diary of Nehemiah's life. I don't think that he knew that this was going to become part of the Bible, but it is. And one of the things that we see about Nehemiah from the beginning is that it took God and God alone to be able to produce the building, the vision, the uh, performing of Doing the task that God called him to do. Without God, Nehemiah would still be a cupbearer to the king. And we know that Nehemiah was a cupbearer, meaning he would drink the cup before the king would. If there was poison, well, Nehemiah would no longer be a Nehemiah. He'd be a dead Nehemiah. He'd be dead. (laughs) And we know that one of the things about Nehemiah is that when he heard about his people, when he heard about the people of Jerusalem, because he's a slave, We know that the people of Israel are scattered for 141 years. They have been scattered. Exactly what God spoke and told them would happen because of the disobedience has happened now. And now pagan kings, gods now fill the place where God was once the centerpiece. But now God is using a remnant of a people. Come on. We talked about this a while back how we are the remnant people of God. Meaning we are the ones left here that will do what God's called us to do. Come on, if nobody else will do it, we'll do it. And there's a few good families, a few good nobles, a few good people that are saying, how can we be used by God? Nehemiah brothers come to him and says, hey, look, our whole countrymen, our city, our place, the temple, the walls, completely destroyed. Nehemiah, with just a anger, but also a... Pain so deep, he led him to a place of fasting and praying and seeking God. And this place of seeking and pursuing God is what we've been focusing on because when you look at the life of Nehemiah all throughout the book, he never leaves God's presence. He always prays. He always looks for God for guidance. Always looks to God for wisdom. Always looks to God for how to work with difficult people, how to work with challenging people, how to work with challenging situations, how to do things that he wasn't qualified for. How to do things he wasn't really had the knowledge or the, uh, the strength to do, but because of who God was and who God is, he was able to fulfill and do it. And he did it within 52 days. He built the wall from the start to finish. It took 52 days. Amen? And this is where we are to this point. And I want to encourage you. You may feel like Nehemiah now. But you may not be applying God's word like Nehemiah did. Maybe today, when it comes to God's word, you're not rightly appropriating it in your life. Meaning you're not applying it. You're not parting with it in faith because of fear. Because of hurt. Because of trauma. Because of pain because of what you're facing and going through. But today, let me encourage you, if you will turn that around and put your faith in God, you will see the situation turn around. You will see everything that you're up against become like a little ant because of the God that you serve and how great he is. See, sometimes you just need to do exactly what Jesus told the disciples in Mark 11 and begin to speak to the mountain. What do you speak to the mountain? You speak God's word. The Bible says, hold fast to the confession of your faith. Come on, how many of you have faith today? If you don't, let me help you. It comes from his word. See, the word is going to produce faith within a believer. If you got no word, you got no faith. See, we know that vision, because that's what we're talking about. Vision starts with pursuing God. And vision is found as you get in his presence, as you seek him. See, he is a person. We know that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And we know that he is not a feeling. He is not a vibe. He's not a way that comes. The wind, you feel it, oh, that's God. No, God is a person that dwells in you. And he will speak to you, lead you, train you, guide you, comfort you within your life. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you, meaning the one that is in you, speaking of the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. He has many different names, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. The spirit of truth, the spirit of God, comforter, helper. Come on, the Holy Ghost, that is God in you. How many know that God dwells in you? So you can never say, God, where are you? He's right in you. He dwells in you. See, Nehemiah, let me help you. He didn't have what we have today. He didn't have it as good as we have it today. Do you know that? And Nehemiah accomplished what God called him to without the Holy Ghost in him. So how much more should we accomplish for God because God is in us today? Come on, we've been given a far better covenant with better promises today. Amen? Amen? Vision is founded in faith. We said vision comes from a place of belonging to him. Vision is strengthened when you belong to him, when you become a servant and you serve him with the right priorities in mind. Vision is going to cause you to take what is his and build it. Not just building your own life, but building what he's called you to build, and then that will build your life. Because ultimately, your life is supposed to be centered around him. See, the life of a Christian is so much different than a life of an unbeliever. Yeah, they're building things. Skyscrapers, farming lands, houses, legacy, fame, and all that, as soon as they die, means absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah, your name may be remembered, but there's no name greater than the name of Jesus. Amen. See, as a Christian, we know that serving God in this kingdom is completely different than the kingdom of darkness because we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. How many you know that today? Yep. The Bible says that you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, 1 Corinthians. Go to there real quick, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Sorry, not 1 Corinthians, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And go to verse 14. Actually, go to verse 11. Let's start there. Let's kind of read a little bit. Verse 11 says, We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance. Say all the endurance. How many know that endurance comes from the power of God working in you? Without God in you, without You relying on his strength, you're not going to be able to endure life. See, some of you there are sitting wondering why life is so hard, why you are constantly being beaten up and you feel like you have no hope in life. That's because you were relying on yourself rather than on God. But the thing is you say, well I have relied on God. I had had faith. That's not faith at all. Because faith says, I am relying and have faith right now for the rest of time. No matter what I face, no matter what I go through I might get knocked down, but I'm going to stand up because I have faith in God. See, faith does not waver just because of what you're going through. Now you may waver, but let me help you. As you build yourself upon God's word, you're going to stand strong. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, stand and having done all, continue to stand well how do you stand you stand in faith strengthened by the power of the living God that dwells in you that comes upon you that comes from his word see the reality is for every Christian person for every man and woman that serves God that walks with God they have to get to the point where they no longer depend upon self but they depend upon God because the reality is this yeah I know you've been facing some sickness today I know there's been disease that's come against your children. There's been disease that's come against your family. There's been an attack against your marriage. There's been an attack against your children. But what's the answer? Because worry, anxiety, stress, depression, that ain't going to solve it. Look at the world. They go to medication. Ultimately, they go to a gun load and they take their life. No, see, it takes faith. See, then we got the other people say, well, Life's good. I don't really need God. And see, this is what I've noticed within this region, is that everyone has money, so money makes me secure. I don't need anything. I got money. I'm secured in who I am. Money takes care of all my issues. And the reality is that's a false sense of security. No, that's the enemy lying to you and making you feel comfortable. See, if you're not a threat to the enemy, he ain't going to mess with you. And this is why a lot of Christians, it's difficult to have faith. Because once you start having faith, the enemy always attacks you. Because everything that God creates, Satan, what does he do? Tries to destroy it. See, God's a creator. Satan, he's a counterfeiter. Of course he's going to oppose you. Look in the life of Nehemiah. We're in chapter 6. You got three guys, Samballot, Tobiah, and Geshem. They have been giving Nehemiah so much hardship. Even in chapter 2, we saw that they laughed at him. and said, the king didn't let you do that. They mocked him. There's no way. Rightfully knowing that he did, because he had all the proof. He had the finances. He had the timber. He had the permits. He had the letters. But still, these people were opposing him. They were just like a little voice in his ear. But now we're getting to a point, they're noticing the walls are done. Now, the gates are the last thing to be finished. And one of the things that you see that four times, they're going to try to take his life. But Nehemiah, because he had faith in God, he walked with God, he didn't fall for their cunningness. Because reality, let me help you today, there's nothing new under the sun. The same demonic powers that worked with Samballot, Tobiah, and Geshem are the same demonic powers that are working today in the world that we live in. See, we think, oh, there's new devils. There's no such thing as new devils. This old devils just doing the same old thing. Satan's not as crafty and cunning as you think he is. No, people just fall into that uh, deception and manipulation because they don't understand truth. And we're living at a time where truth is so distorted. And I ain't going to get political at all, but let me help you. If you want to understand how to serve God and live for God, let me help you and say this. Follow the word of God. Look throughout history and just see the pattern because the reality, life is just a pattern. From the Old Testament all the way to the new, from the beginning of time to right now where, you live in, where you're living in, it's a pattern. There's nothing new. And see, as the people of God, we have to continue to walk with God because if we don't walk with God, well, then truth is going to become distorted within the church. And this is where you have seen truth become distorted in the church because so many people don't walk with God or don't know God's word. Or they use it as a way of using tactics against people to attack people. God's word was never used for that. God's word was used or given to you so that you could stand in truth and walk in truth and walk in love. But let me help you. People say, well, what is love? Love is when you still are able to preach truth. Yes. See, some people say, well, love is just means I accept everybody, I'm tolerant to everybody. That's not love at all. No, love is when you stand for God and you stand for godly principles and you stand for his word. That's right. Tell Jesus that. They murdered him. I just love everybody. Oh, I know you love everybody. But I guarantee you won't let your children get around certain people. You protect, you guard. See, this is the thing about Nehemiah. He's a wise leader. He protects. He protects the work. See, as the body of Christ, we have to protect the work. Protect the work. Notice this. Go back to Nehemiah chapter 6. Told you I'm going to stay on topic. So Samball, verse two, and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet with them, one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Now look, verse, or, and it says, "But I realized they were plotting to harm me." Here's wisdom. Nehemiah has wisdom. He knew that they were lying. He knew they were plotting to come and kill him. They were trying everything they possibly could to basically smear who he was, his reputation. This is literally what you see in the day that we live in. It's the same tactics where truth is no longer truth. And this is what's happening. These three men try to spread lies and they get people to believe it because they have Tobiah especially has close relationship with the nobles and the people that are working on the wall. Tobiah has family members that are working on the wall. Notice it's an inside job. See Satan always tries to attack from the inside. Because really the outside that's a given. Anything that we do as a church, anything you do as a person, you're going to be attacked from the outside. But it's really the inside of you, it's just like your mind. Your mind will play attack, or your mind will play different tricks and and have and be attacked constantly if you allow it to be. Just like your marriage, your marriage will constantly be attacked if you let it to be. Just like your children, they'll constantly be attacked if you let it to be. There's always going to be outside influence and opposition as a Christian, as a man and woman of God. You can't think that you're going to be problem free. And not have any issues serving God. If you do not want to sorry, let me say it this way: if you serve God and you don't want any problems, it's gonna be hard serving God. Because the moment when problems come, because they will come, you're gonna turn and run. See, God is looking for someone that is strong. God is looking for someone that will rely on his grace. God is looking for someone that will stand up for truth. God is looking for someone that will stand up and be the leader that God has called them to be. I'm tired and over weak Christianity. You know, we look back in the days of old, and you see the church fathers and how they lived. Go back and read. Look how just disciplined, but also they didn't just bend over backwards for anything. They didn't. See, one of the things that we see about Nehemiah is he had wisdom. See, the Bible says that you can have wisdom. You can have wisdom. The Bible says, ask God for wisdom, and he'll give you without reproach. He'll give it to you. Come on, how many need the wisdom of God today? So, notice he replies back to them. Four times, they said the same message. Meaning, when you are building what God's called you to build, when we are building God's house, we're going to have opposition. And it's going to come over and over to the point where you just get so annoyed of it. But let me help you. Stay focused. Stay planted. Stand firm. Because if you're having that so much opposition and attack, that means you're doing something right. That's right. That means you're doing exactly what God called you to do. Now, there might be seasons in your life where you don't have attack, where it is going well. and it, You know, everything's fine. But then there'll be seasons where you go through things like, man, what is going on? Maybe you're in a season like that. Like, life is, and maybe it's felt like that for years for you. Let me help you. Keep on pressing in to God. Keep on pressing in. But one of the things you see about Nehemiah is he walked with God. See, when you begin to sin and when you allow those things and disobey God, that will cause the enemy to come in. And that's usually the issue is because of sin and walking in the flesh and walking after the things of the world where we get so easily tripped up. And this is what hinders our faith. But the reality is when you walk with him continually, daily, you are able to overcome All obstacles. I heard this said last week. I saw it on social media and I thought it was awesome. Instead of asking God to forgive you, ask for a changed heart. Instead of saying God, forgive me, forgive me, because how many times have you said forgive me for the same thing you've done for the past thousand times? Maybe it's a new heart that you need. God, I need a new heart. Because the old one's not working. My old thinking's not working. Come on, how many need a new heart today? Now, notice this. Four times, and here's the fifth time. Now, this is an open letter. Now, this is just the cunningness and the slyness of Tobiah, Geshem, and Samballot. See, if it would have been closed, it would have been a proper letter, but this is an open letter. And it was a way to manipulate Nehemiah to sin against God. See, Satan will try to get you to sin against God. He'll do that through doubt. He'll do that through unbelief. Do you know that there's even people in your life right now that are not a good influence for you that will lead you into sin? I have some people that tell me, like, oh, man, I could do this without sinning. Really? Really? The Bible says light should have nothing to do with darkness. How can you walk in the light if you're hanging out with darkness? Well, I'm in there to win them. When did you bring them to church recently? You've been trying to win them for the past five years. No, you just become one of them now. You're just doing the same thing they do. Come on. We have to guard our heart. We have to guard our mind. If you're truly in there ministering and winning them for Jesus, get on you. Keep on doing it. But if you have now come to a place of compromise within your life, then there's something wrong. You're no longer trying to win them. You've become just like them, and now you have been susceptible to lies and deception and you got to get back to a place of walking with the Lord. See, some churches and some people say that, you know, they, 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 they keep everything lax and chill. You know, their whole focus, I just want to get people in the building. I want to keep you here. So if I can say anything that doesn't offend you, I've done my, my job, right? And I'm the complete opposite. If I haven't offended you before you leave the church, then I did something wrong. <laughs> because the Bible itself is offensive. I mean, every time I read it, I literally, it pricks my heart I'm like, Jake, you need to do better. What are you doing? You need to work on that. Because if you ever get to a place where you just lax and chill, like, it's all good, then that's where compromise will come in. Yeah. But you live in a world where people get so easily offendable oh, yeah. over little things. <laughs> Let me help you today. Don't see God's word according to reason, and according to how you feel. Let me give you a scripture just to help you for that. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. And go to verse, y'all know 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I know everyone can remember to say it by heart. But let's go above that just for one moment. This is a good scripture for you. 2 Corinthians 5. And go to Verse 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Christ's love controls you. Since you believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. What is he talking about when it comes to an old life? Old life of sin. The old nature. The old man. Look at the wording, you have all died. Is it dead in you or is it alive in you still? Well, when I look at that, it says it's dead in me, the old life. is dead. There's no two ways. Go to the next verse. Look at this. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. So how is this old life dead in me? By Jesus dying for me. It's only through his sacrifice. It's only through his blood that the old man, that the sin nature is dead in me. So that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. So notice this. You're no longer living for yourself, but you're living for Christ. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and raised, and was raised for them. Verse 15. This is right here. I want you to look at this. When I read this a couple weeks ago, I've read this scripture in usually King James, New King James, and ESV. And I told you recently that I've been reading out of the NLT. Um, I've never really used the NLT much, just for a couple of times just looking. But this whole past three months, I've been reading out of the NLT. And I read this scripture, and it really just kind of stopped me in my tracks as I was reading it. Look at this. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Who's he speaking to? Believers, Christians. We have stopped evaluating, looking, perceiving, perception, the way I look, others from a human point of view. Why? Because at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Now, when I read this, the Holy Ghost rose up within me and said, If any person would begin to see the truth in the revelation of this scripture, what is he saying? When it comes to life's problems, when it comes to your life, you can no longer see it and evaluate it through a human worldview. Meaning you can no longer see it through the mind. You can no longer see it through reason. You can no longer see it based on a feeling and an emotion. You see it basically purely on Jesus Christ, through him, through the new nature, through what has happened within your life. See, maybe the problem within your life is not yet. you don't have enough faith or you don't know how to pray. Maybe it's how you are viewing your situation. Maybe it's how you are evaluating your life. Are you looking at it with a human view? Are you looking at it with a worldview? Are you looking at it like you are still dead and not alive in Christ? Do you see that? What would happen if you begin to see your life like you are in him, made alive in him? Come on, the Bible says that he is quick in those things that were dead. Come on, that's Ephesians chapter 2. How many know you were once dead, but now you are alive through Christ? Well, you've been made alive together with Christ. What would happen if you begin to look at healing in your body rather than human view, but you begin to look at it through God's view, through his word? So what's the opposite of human view? What's the opposite of human reasoning? It's his word. You either believe it or you don't. Now listen to this. There is nothing you do for God that Satan will not come and try to attack. You believe for healing. Have you ever noticed you start praying for healing and you start feeling the symptoms a lot more sometimes? You ever notice you start praying over your marriage and then you just have a huge fight right after? You ever notice you're praying for direction and God to lead you in different areas and then the door shuts in your face? And our response is, why, God? We begin to get in doubt. We begin to get in unbelief. Meaning the enemy's attack has worked. If Nehemiah would have failed under this tactic and lie from these three gentlemen, I'm going to call them gentlemen, these three men, do you know that Nehemiah could have been killed? Or even worse, he could have been killed by the king. Because if you continue to read, I'm gonna paraphrase it because we don't have enough time. That they wrote a letter saying that Nehemiah was trying to make himself the king. That he was trying to promote himself, he was building all this to basically cause a ruse and go against the king that said, Hey, you can build this. And that's not what he was doing, not what he was doing at all. They tried to lie and say he was doing something when it wasn't the truth at all. And then they went a step ahead a little further and said, They got a, a prophet. Now, they used a man of God, and they paid him to prophesy that he should go into the temple because he said, God told me that you should go into the temple so you can hide from them from killing you. Nehemiah being wise and not falling under to that prophet lying, because that's really all the guy was doing because he was a paid hand, just like you see in John chapter 10 where there is a hireling, and he's just paid for the job. And it says that when the wolf comes, it scatters the sheep. This is why you see church people all scattered around the world because they don't have a pastor. They don't have someone that will preach and teach them and equip them and speak the truth to them in love. No, they're just worried about their their parsonage, their paycheck, their car. What's my allowance? That's not in me at all. I don't care. That will never be in this house. See, if you come to a church and you experience that from another church, let me help you. You'll never experience that here. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Come on, we're going to keep our heart pure before the Lord. But this is what you see. You see a prophet that was hired, and he wasn't of God. Isn't that funny? They try to use a spiritual person to attack Nehemiah, to get him on his side so that he would die. But Nehemiah, we know that in verse 9, he prays. It says, God, strengthen me. Strengthen me. See, you need strength to do God's will. Listen to this. There's nothing you do that God, or there's nothing that you do for God where Satan will not try to attack you. Now, strength, we know, comes from God. Strength comes from God. Let me give you just a couple of scriptures, a couple of scriptures just to reinforce that. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 through 14, and I'm almost done. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Man, I can just preach this to the men's conference, right? Act like men. Some people don't even know what a man is today. Be strong. What is a man? Strong. Firm in the faith. Watchful. Look at this. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And this is a tough one. Let all you do be done in love. And this is where this part, because of the first part, well, I'm a man. I could be arrogant, and prideful, and ah. No. That's just going to lead to a lot of issues. Even if there is people that revile against you, because the Bible even says in the Beatitudes that you will have persecution. People will revile you. They'll come against you. That's part of it. If they hated Jesus, guess what he said? If they hated me, they're going to hate you. But don't take that on as a form of pride. Well, I'm just walking, doing kingdom business. Ha! No. Giving my gun, giving my flag, I'm standing for God and country. Now, there's some truth to that. But if it's done in pride and arrogance and not in love, see, what does truth do? What does love do? What does godly love do? It doesn't let your kids just hear Whatever. It doesn't put your kids around an atmosphere where they're going to be taught different agendas and indoctrination. That's love. That's truth. So you're living in a time where the enemy is attacking hard. And this is where the Christians, the body of Christ, has to stand and preach truth, but also as doing it in love. And I know that's hard because sometimes we get in the flesh. I get it. Sometimes we get frustrated, but let me help you. There is a godly frustration. You even see it with Nehemiah. He gets frustrated. There's a godly anger. Go back to the chapter five and you'll see it. He gets angry because the constant ridicule, the constant attack that he's going through. But one of the things he never does, he never falls or compromises, and he always walks in a place of leadership. He always walks in a place of integrity. He always walks in a place of following after God. And sometimes following after God looks different than what we think it is. It's not always going to be loving arms and holding everybody. Sometimes it's going to be a sword in on one side and a shovel in the other. And for some, that might be hard, and I get that. But notice this. Let all that you do be done in love. Another scripture on strength. Fear not, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 40.31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings, like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Notice, strength comes from where? The Lord. Strength comes from the Lord. See, without God, you got to get to an understanding, you're nothing. Without God, you're nothing. That's the life of a believer. Without God, we're nothing. And I know that might be hard at first. That's the truth. See, as you face things, and I'm in it right here. I told you that there's something that Nehemiah didn't have that we have. You got a comforter. There's comforter, or there's a comfort in trials and tribulations. The Bible says in John chapter 16, that don't lose heart. Knowing that he's overcome the world. Today, you can rest assured knowing that the Holy Spirit, John 14, 15, and 16, go back and read it. He says, I had to leave so that the Comforter can come and comfort you. He can come and help you. See, it's time that you stop relying on yourself. You're not good enough, you're not smart enough. Only He is. It's time when you let yourself go in submission and surrender and really sacrifice and saying, God, I'll do whatever you want me. Just help me. And the reality is, as you open your heart, let all the walls break, all walls of offense, bitterness, anger, looking back in the past. Even creating hypotheticals for the future. Because we all do that. Right here, right now, saying, God, I'm done. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to open my heart. And as you do, he will give you the grace that is sufficient to help you in your time of need. Just like he did Paul. He said, his grace is sufficient to help me in my time of need. Even in my suffering. Even in the hardship. Even in the issues. God's grace is sufficient. Today, the question that you have to ask yourself is, how are you relying on him right now for the issues of your life? Many different people in here have different issues. They're not all one and the same. How are you relying on God right now? See, Nehemiah, if you continue to read the story, he relied on God. And because of his relying on God, they got the wall finished. They got the gates hung up. And now in the next chapter, they're going to a time where they're going to establish spiritual ministry. They're going to establish God's law, God's word. And he's going to get people back to a place of remembering his word, remembering. And they're going to take time and read it. And We're going to get into that next week. But how right now are you relying on him? And then the other question, the counterpart is this how are you relying on self right now? Because if you're relying on self, that's counter him. See, if you feel like I'm not sure about things, I'm in fear, I'm unconfident, I'm in unbelief, I'm worried, stressed out, don't know how this is gonna work, you're relying on self. Because when you have faith, you have a sure foundation in him. You may not know how everything's gonna work, but you are confident in him. See, faith is not the absent or absence of fear. Faith just means you're gonna overcome fear. Let me say that again, because some people don't understand that. Some people think if they have faith, that means there's no fear at all. That's a lie. How many of you are people of faith? How many of you still have fear at times? Of course you do. But what do you do when spirit, when, when really it's a spirit, when the spirit of fear comes? You rebuke it, you say go. Come on, the Bible says that he's not given you a spirit of fear. Think about that. He hasn't given you. So if you have fear, he didn't give it to you. The issue gave it to you. Your mind's lying to you. The feeling, the emotion. So what do you have to do? Fear go, Holy Spirit come. I mean, it's that simple. Fear go. Come on, say fear go. Holy Spirit come. It's that easy. Because the Holy Spirit will comfort you. He will help you. Come on, the Bible says that he will give you Power. Love. And the sound with that second Timothy 1 7. Power, love, and a sound mind. This is what happens when you come to God. This is what every Christian, and if you're not a Christian today, this is what you can have. That's the hope you can have in God. See, there's so many people today living it without Jesus. And the reality, there's a void, there's an emptiness, and they may not know it yet because they have security and other other things. But the reality, the Bible says when they die, it means nothing. So it's a bunch of dust. It's vanity. It's vain. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.